your weekly source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting right next to me is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest, it's Megan. Hey, hey, hey. I hated that. Let's do that again. Let's do it every week. Um, well, maybe not, but like something we do do every week is called. So the elite beat pop of the week. That's right, Jenny. And that's where we, where we go around and we pop or crackers. It's basically just, we open a drink to drink during the broadcast. Yep. And, uh, and what do we, what do you have for us this week, Jenny? I am in no way supporting CM Punk, Uh but I do have a strawberry lemonade spin drift. Sure. I'm pretty excited to drink this. I had a hell of an adult day. Yeah. And feel emotionally drained. I, uh, I'm apparently old now. And, uh, when you have pains, your doctor sends you in to go make sure you don't have a blood clot. Because apparently I'm a bedridden, you know, geriatric. And, You're almost uh, 40, so, like, embrace it. <laughs> I know. I know. And then we had a two and a half hour, no, two hour HOA meeting where everyone just like bitched about everything that's wrong. I just, I feel, I feel exhausted. Yeah. The HOA meeting, that makes me think of Frasier. I I think you're pretty old at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cheers. Enjoy, enjoy your strawberry lemonade. Thank you. Uh, Megan, how about you? Um, I'm going to hit the box because... Uh, grazie. 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 You can't see it, listeners, but that's what it says on the side of the box. Everybody didn't just have, like, a simultaneous loss of their minds. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love Grazie. I fully support Grazie. They're an expensive, uh, I guess, price point when it comes to box wine, but they are... They make some delicious, very low sugar, very not sweet wine, which is, that's kind of what I look for in my old age, you know? It's hard to find a low sugar box wine. Yeah, it's it's very good. Um, I, I wish that it wasn't as expensive, although I'm kind of just tempted to say fuck it and just always buy it because that's where I'm at. Point? I'm curious. It's $35 a box. But it's for four bottles. Yeah, but I was I you know my my usual up to discovering this was Boda Box and they're like twenty bucks. Oh, okay, okay. So almost so, twice as much. But yeah, is it's it almost twice as good. Oh, it's over twice as good. So I oh, should really. Oh, then it's worth it. Treat yourself to your box wine. Yeah, I should treat treat myself. Treat yourself, as uh, Parks and Rex tells us. But yeah, I I think you're right. I think it's like. So much better. Highly recommended. You can only get it online because, you know, they're like that whole boutique thing. But two thumbs up for me. So I, I think go for it if you like it. And they have white and they have rosé. If, you know, if you're a certain type of wine lover, you there's something for everyone, I think. And grazie if you would like to, um, you know, support the drinkers <sighs> of this podcast. If we be- could. If we could, Jenny, if we could get a Grazi sponsorship, if they could just send me a box of wine for free instead of me paying for it. I, I'd pay for it, but, like, can I get an extra one for free? Is that how sponsorships work? Is it really just for you, the person who who seeks out the sponsorship? Megan, if you send me a picture, 
I will post on at the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram and tag oh, them. You know I will send you that picture. I wish I had my fucking cool new iPhone to do it with, but I only have my my dank seven. My hey, iPhone seven. That's a good topic though. It it was it was iPhone day for Megan. Hell yeah. Pre-orders start tomorrow, but Apple's like, do you want to just like queue up every single piece of information we're going to ask you? And then tomorrow you just hit the button. And I was like, yes, I do. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited for you and your brand new phone. Me too. I'm literally going from seven to 14. I count that as a win as far as money is concerned. I I got my use out of the phone, but now my poor little phone, when I try to do like two things at once on it, like listen to music and also text, it kind of doesn't do it well. (laughs) It kind of lets the music skip or turn off completely. So it's time. Did you get the case as well in the wallet? Uh, I got the case. And then I looked at how much I was spending and was like, that's probably enough for today. And so, you know, aspirationally speaking, there's plenty of accessories Apple is willing to sell me. But my first initial shipment is just going to be the phone and a case so that I don't immediately destroy the phone because I that's smart. will for sure drop it or drop which, it. Like, Which case did you get? Did you get the, the clear one like I have? Or, or the, the leather? Or the leather one like Jenny? I went with the leather because... Uh, they had a they had that beautiful purple phone, but I didn't get it because I knew I would immediately cover it with a case. So I got a case that was green because that's like my favorite color. So I'll just go with it. I yeah. Bet you can get, I bet you later down the line you can get a green wallet too to match with it. You can. Oh, for sure. I believe Apple has like very smartly just coordinated all that stuff. So yeah, I'm looking forward to being like, uh, give me another paycheck and I will blow it on accessories. <laughs> I love that no purse life that I get to lead now. Hell yeah. No purse. (laughs) Except for when you accidentally, you're, because I have girl pockets and you use the public restroom and then your phone falls out of your pocket onto the restroom floor. That's not fun. Oh, I know Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know with your germaphobic levels that, did you have to boil just the entire thing? (laughs) Lysol, the shit out of it when i got home with now she now she hands me her phone when she has to go into a public restroom (laughs) of course that's a safe way to go you know at least it didn't end up in the toilet itself but yeah the floor is not great so understood well cheers uh to new iphones and to the pop of the week and uh i i have to say we i don't remember exactly where we left things on sunday evening but (laughs) I <laughs> we've <laughs> so basically like okay if if I can just reconstruct what I remember from Sunday and it's it's gonna be hard because we've gotten so much more information since then. We had heard that after CM Punk's presser, he got in a fight backstage with some number of EVPs. Yes, and some right. number of EVPs walked away with black eyes. Yes, and there was a chair thrown. Yes. And I don't so I think I think a steel was mentioned in mm-hmm. the in the first round of this. I don't know if the biting was or was it? No, because we would have spent a lot of time on that. No, I think we found out a steel went for flesh like after we we cut recording. I think we heard about the chair and knocking yes. Jackson out right at the end of our recording and that's I think where we left it. Yeah, that was the breaking news on that particular day, but uh 
more and more has come out. Probably just look back through my text with you guys over the past few days just to see what the order of my information coming out. My phone has not stopped from Andy's text of all of these updates. This has been insane. I I love it. I'm going to give Sean Rossap credit. Like, I, I, I subscribed to Fightful Select a few months ago uh, for one month, and I was disappointed in the output. And so I canceled. It was like, okay, well, I spent $5. You didn't really... I got like, <laughs> these are the things that we're hearing are happening on Raw tonight. And like, ooh. <laughs> like um, ooh. Yeah, there's a lot of that. He has earned his $5 this week. <laughs> he has earned... His $5. I, 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 I subscribed to Fightful this month because I thought, like, okay, he's going to have stuff. And I, I've been rewarded. Um, so props props to him. Yeah, every text I've gotten in the past, I guess since Monday, I have just been like, is this another series of three screenshots of Son- <laughs> Sean Ross Sapp, like, updating me on what is happening with the Elite and CM Punk and Ace Steel, who is largely insignificant for the like the role he played in this. I mean, relative to like his place in the company, what are you doing, a steal? And yeah. then the biting? And then the biting. Should it should I go through the whole timeline of like information dissemination yes. or should I or should I just go with where we've like kind of landed with like each side of cuz I feel like mm. at this point we now have like a pretty good like Buck's side of the story and a pretty good punk side of the story. And a Sean Ross sap, like cautionary. Neither side is probably true. Please take this all with a grain of salt. Exactly. So should we just go, go straight to that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's break it down. Okay. So this, um, he posted this a couple days ago. So I guess that would have been Tuesday at 6 44 PM. Um, the article is titled uh, Punk's Rumored, and, and all credit to Fightful Select on patreon.com slash uh, Fightful, I'm guessing. <laughs> Give him money. He's doing God's work this week. He's doing he's doing good. Dave Meltzer's doing a great job out there, too, this week. Um, like, people people have been ragging Dave for a while now that he doesn't get the scoops. He's got the scoops this week, and I, I do wonder if it might be because of where his sources are placed. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but not about the Colt Cabana thing. That's Let's right. be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so okay, Fightful Select has learned more about the fight that went down at All Out as being told to people close to the Ace Steel CM Punk side of things. Uh, per the Punk Steel side of things, after the scrum, the Young Bucks approached Punk's locker room and Punk wasn't answering the door after having been in a long match, bloodied, and finished with an emotional scrum. The Bucks were said to have pounded on the door with claims that they kicked down the door, kicked the door down. Uh, according to Punk and Steel's side of things, Matt Jackson swung first but missed, and Punk responded. Uh, we're told that which, if you've ever seen the GIF of that first Punk UFC fight, that seems unlikely. Uh, we're told <laughs> at that point Nick was pretty much taking it in. Omega and Steel pushed their way into the room. Ace Steel's wife was in the room, which is what Steel had told people set him off and made him go ballistic, throwing chairs and ending up biting someone. The claim made from him was that he was looking out for his wife above anything else. Ace Steel's big wife guy. Uh, from what we heard, Omega didn't seem nearly as upset initially, but things got out of hand and he ended up being bitten. We're told the fight was a very long altercation and that the talk back and forth did not stop after the brawl. Uh, there were rumors that CM Punk had entered his triceps during the fracas. However, those near him say that it happened during a dive that many noticed during the AEW All Out main event. Uh, he could be seen icing it after the match during the scrum. 
We haven't been told the severity, but we're told Punk was hurt going to the backstage fight. And update on that: the, it, it's severe. He's gonna he's he's gonna have to get muscle surgery and be out for months and months. Is this a is this the same sort of like Cody injury that that happened? I don't so I don't know if it was like a pack or a triceps. Um, that, oh, okay. Both things reported. Doesn't seem like people know exactly what it is. I'm sure he does, uh, but. Um, we need to point out that this is what we've heard is one side of the story, which we haven't heard much up until this point. There are rumors running rampant that Steel and Punk are both done with AEW, but those close to them say they haven't been informed of that as of yet. Virtually all of the AEW roster we've spoken with believes that if Punk and Steel aren't let go, heavy amends will need to be made. I was curious when I read that, because it sounded very much like godfathery. Like, what kind of amends do you need when, realistically speaking... They should just be fired. Like, that's the level. What amends would make you feel better about working with people who... I I don't even... I don't want to cast blame, but, like, who t- got to this level. Who were part of something that got to this level. Like, I'd, I'd want them gone if I was on the roster. If you're on the roster, yeah. But you could see why Tony Khan might want to make this whole thing work. Oh, for sure. But that's where, uh, I believe, on on our show about the pay-per-view like and i still believe this i think that how he handles this is going to really inform how people view working at aew and the kind of talent that will or will not sign on and i don't think you let one guy hold your company hostage when the whole future could be affected by that i agree he's gonna have huge i mean and one guy who realistically only has a couple years left in him if that because who the hell wants to work with him now on the roster like well and i just meant physically because he's oh totally i'm they've put their world title on twice and he's gotten injured right away both times Mm -hmm. and like you know and so there's that aspect of it too Mm -hmm. like he just he can't hold up in these kinds of matches Mm -mm. yeah so i to me seems like it's not worth whatever short-term it might be a really big payoff, but I think long-term you're injuring your company image and your reputation among workers, and that doesn't seem like a good plan. 100%. Like the like you said, the reputation. Like, I mean, who who's going to want to – I wouldn't want to work for this company. I feel like I'm not getting anywhere near this dumpster fire. Especially not now when – there are more options than ever, you know, and and potentially more cropping up. Like, you never know. And people who are actually, at this point in time, indies can be lucrative if you're at a certain level, you know? So, I just, I feel like you gotta think long-term, Tony. And I don't know if he does that. He looked very freaked out on Dynamite. He sure did. Yeah, I'm so glad he didn't do that live. Um, so, uh, so I, I guess what I would say is about that whole thing is that I think CM Punk's comeback last year and his first like his his everything up to double or nothing and winning the title that was some of like my favorite things I've ever seen in wrestling. I thought his whole I thought his whole run was so great, but and it exploded AEW's business. It, like he they drew all the biggest attendances and gates and pay per views that they've ever done with him you know, kind of leading the charge. But the reality is, I think, a lot of that was due to the novelty of a guy who was a big star and who had been gone for seven years coming back. And that was probably going to end up, you know, settling down 
at some point. So I think that if you look at it as a real mercenary, uh, they've probably got the best business they're going to get out of CM Punk mm-hmm. already in that first year. And it was a great year, but it's never going to be like that again. Yeah, fully agree. And, you know, it's like, okay, you you release Punk, you don't have him, but can I direct your attention to Brian Danielson? Like, another huge star that is actually doing good things for your company and not being a fuck-up? Like, I I feel like or you have Moxley. other directions. Yes, Moxley, who was there, but, like, you know, for the... The like novelty coming in, Danielson and Punk coming in about the same time. But yes, Moxley, especially after Wednesday, I feel like if he's not just the leader of your company, what are you doing? You know, like I, it, I just think cut and run on Punk. Sorry, you're old, you're bad for the locker room, uh, you get injured all the time. I used to love you. I've lost so much respect for you. Um, I think it's time to retire. He's mm-hmm. probably got enough money. He can live out his days being miserable or whatever he does like when he's not know. on screen moxley, moxley said he was out of money that's why i had to come back <laughs> well i don't want to get sued punk don't come for us well i hope i hope he i hope he uh i hope he saved and invested the five million dollars he made this past year well so yes yeah, seriously that's the rumor at least honestly rich people if you can't live off being rich like no sympathy for you <laughs> Do better at investing. Okay, let's talk about the Young Bucks Omega side of the story. Uh, this was just yesterday, about this time. Uh, last night, we g- again, Fightful Select. Uh, last night, we gave you what we've heard CM Punk, a st- steel side of the AEW all-out confrontation was. Now, we've heard the account from the other side. Please note this is one side of the story. Sources close to the Young Bucks slash Kenny Omega side of things say that the Young Bucks went to talk to CM Punk, as he'd outlined they should do if they had a problem. The claim was they opened the door not kicking it in as claimed by the other side, and before Matt Jackson could say anything, Punk had went off and started throwing sucker punches at Matt's head. Nick went to intervene, and Ace Steel allegedly threw a chair and hit Nick in the face. The Kenny Omega involvement was said to be him trying to remove Larry, CM Punk's dog, from the situation to help keep him safe because he was barking and going nuts. Their side of the story says that once he handed Larry off, he tried to get Ace Steel off Nick Jackson, and Ace Steel bit Omega and pulled his hair. Perhaps the only lighthearted aspect we heard is when someone joked he got bit and someone assumed Larry the dog bit Omega only to learn it was allegedly steel. Uh, We'd heard all sides continued shouting with allegations of legal threats from Punk's side. Again, this is one side of the confrontation and categorically different than the one we've heard was shared by Punk's side that was close to them. Textbook of three sides of the truth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've never heard of more wildly different stories of the same event like i i just i'm not like there's not even one item in there that's the same you know what though and, and i said this to you guys before like off air i hope that the kenny omega rescuing larry thing was a hundred percent true i noticed that on cm punk's side nobody's like kenny tried to steal his dog and so he freaked out. So in that <laughs> in that way, I kind of feel like maybe, maybe there is hope that that's true. Uh, but yes, literally everything else. Um, when I hear that the Young Bucks kick down a door, all I can think of is every steel door I've ever seen at every arena they've been to on BT. Like <laughs> the image of Nick and Matt Jackson kicking down anything that looks like that. 
is wild to me, but sure. And um, and they probably did a super kick. For yeah, it, together. Know, like... They were like, we got to charge up. Hit it at the exact same time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, what a, what a stupid, stupid thing. And then uh, today, a few hours ago, uh, there was one more post from Fightful. Uh, a little more detail here. Um, in the days that have followed the recalling of the stories, those that have been in touch with CM Punk and Ace Steel have softened on the stance that the Young Bucks definitely kicked down the door. <laughs> Instead, they followed up with the idea that they could have kicked, shouldered, or otherwise forced their way in. They said that kicking the door down was clearly a turn of phrase oh, in that sure. sense and should have uh, clarified. The reason given was Punk didn't feel like talking to anyone as he was either getting medical attention or had just been given it to take care of his cut. The side has also varied on what they've said caused Ace Steel to begin biting and throwing chairs. Going from his wife being near to him believing Kenny Omega was attacking CM Punk when he was trying to pull Punk off of one of the young bucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've always thought the Ace Steel, like, I was just protecting my life. Um, like, <laughs> that angle was just his, like, this sounds sort of plausible as to why I just lost my mind and did things that definitely weren't necessary. Like, biting another adult individual and throwing a metal chair. Like, mm, okay, I bet your wife was definitely, like, gonna get murdered. And that's that's a definite, like, reasonable response to that. <sighs> What an idiot. What an idiot. Just can't believe biting and throwing a chair. Have you heard of, like, anyone biting another person past, I want to say, preschool? Maybe kindergarten? Like, Oh, just of uh, Tyson. Mike Tyson biting that year. Yeah, and that was a bad look, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think adults bite each other unless, you know, it's consensual and for fun. Um, but... Definitely not in this manner. A steal. What the hell? I mean, my nephew got kicked out of daycare for biting kids. Like, <laughs> a steal should get kicked out of AEW for biting. Here now, Jenny, <laughs> what you need to do is teach your nephew to throw a chair. <laughs> okay. I recall there was one account, and now I can't remember who reported this. It might have been one of Dave Meltzer's reports that Mega Parek was. With the EVPs. I think. And witnessed, and witnessed some of the fight. I think there was a bullet point at the last, at the bottom of the last Sean Ross sap thing you sent us mm -hmm. that just said Mega Parekh was present. It didn't like put her on anybody's side or like it just said she was like there to witness. Oh. We've also heard the same as reported by Wrestling. So it must have been the Observer that uh, did. Uh, Interesting observer that AEW Chief Legal Officer Mega Parak was around for the situation as it unfolded. Um, so, so what we know as far as discipline goes is that everybody's been sent home. Uh, my understanding is that right now everybody's been basically suspended with pay. Ouch. Investigation. Um, because there are a lot of people there who they just don't want around because of the potential to, like, you know, like, influence the investigation, but didn't do anything wrong. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I like think... Michael Nakazawa, Nakazawa uh, Pat Buck, I think Christopher Daniels is in that camp. Yeah. So, you know. I think those people deserve to be suspended with pay for that reason, but I think the people that were, like, just obviously involved should not be paid. 
while they're suspended. I, I think Punk, Ace... But isn't that isn't that the problem, though? Like, isn't that the issue with if you're going to do an investigation, you you shouldn't go in assuming anything? Well, no, I think I think the Bucks, Kenny, Punk, and Ace should all be suspended without pay. Yeah, those are the only ones. Because yeah, but there is no... all of them, so... There's no, no account... Yeah, there's no account that they weren't, like, physically involved. Right. Well, I would say, like, Kenny and Nick Jackson sounds like... Sounds like they were not very physically involved. Sounds like they got attacked and or like we're trying to like pull one man off of the other. Hmm. I guess that's saying, true. I don't, it doesn't bother me that these people, they're being suspended with pay for now until we get this resolved. Yeah, I was I was worried when I heard Christopher Daniels and Michael Nakazawa and Pat Buck. I'm like, were they fighting people? Because they're they're kind of like HRE. That seems bad. Yeah. And I think I think that we, you know, on Dynamite, I think we saw the extent to which they are not going to talk about this because even on TV, those even as they vacated two set two, two different championships, no names of those people were mentioned. Um, I, I didn't notice this, but I, I saw it like I saw it later. I reported later that all images of the Elite and CM Punk were removed from the opening Dynamite video. Yep, saw that. Um, yeah, so. I think I think we're just I mean, I'm sure things will continue to kind of leak out because that's what's been happening. But uh, I don't think we're going to hear anything official for quite some time. Yeah, I was disappointed by that. But I also like objectively like understand that we're not just going to get the airing of the dirty laundry. It's just like we all know, Tony, why can't you just tell us the details? Because we all know it's not a secret. I was I wanted tea to be spilled and it it did not remain in its cup. I mean it makes sense if there's an ongoing legal investigation, but I agree, Megan. Okay, it looks like Dave Meltzer updated his report. It was a suffer it was a, a torn left triceps. Oof. Ooh. So so the inter- so the interesting thing to me is now that I now that I'm thinking about it, now that we know for sure that he injured he got the injury on on a tope in the match. So he was sitting in that presser, probably knowing that he was about to have to go home for like six months. So he was just gonna stir a bunch of shit. So he just decided to like like burn everything to the ground before. Wow. Yeah. Like he dropped a grenade, shut the door, and was just gonna walk away and be like, "Later, bitches." Exactly. (laughs) But then the Bucks had to kick down that door with those super kicks. Honestly, if you don't want people kicking down your door, you probably don't want to end your big long tirade with if anybody's got a problem with me, come talk to me. Yeah. So uh yesterday, um AEW had a talent meeting. Um you know, CM Punk was nowhere to be found. He was he stayed home in Chicago and uh apparently he and Ace Steel had a Zoom call with uh with the officials yesterday afternoon but after that at the building um there was a a talent meeting um with uh referees coaches announcers and wrestlers and brian danielson chris jericho and john moxley led the meeting um and i don't there's no there's been no report on how that went but i did see someone saying that it did it was it felt like yesterday like after the show there was a very like kind of positive mood it's almost like they cut out the part that was causing trouble, and then things started to heal. Mm-hmm. 
Weird. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just, uh, what a week. And, you know, of course, we'll be back next week with uh, any more news on this. But um, aside from this, like, the only thing I really wanted to talk about is just a follow-up from, from Sunday. that it, it, um, The word is from Fightful that uh, Malachi Black has been granted a conditional release. Um, and I hear it's very conditional. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, he cannot go work for WWE um, kind of release. And it sounds like that's not what he's looking to do. It looks like he is just trying to get well. Um, and, you know, and the door is not closed. So we wish him the best. We wish him the best. Absolutely. For sure. I'm going to miss him. I'm sad. But I hope he gets better. Hope he gets oh, and, whatever uh, he needs. Yeah, there, I guess there's just like a little minor nothing story about Bobby Fish. Um, just that they're, they they negotiated and they they were far apart on money terms, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's been no indication that he's heard from WWE, so I don't know what he's going to be up to. Indies. Probably, yeah. I'm sure he'll do fine for a while. Um, Jenny, was there anything else you wanted to say about the uh, about the big fight situation? No, I think I've. I think like Tony just needs to get his company in order and make some smart, thoughtful, of the long term, and reputation. Um, being mindful of that decisions. Yeah. Well, I, you know. Did Megan have any lasting thoughts? Oh, no, no. I shared mine throughout. I just, a steal, what a douche. And why, why? My big thought is, why is a steal part of this? (laughs) So I had a thought, guys, uh, about readings um, and how we cover them. I was starting to think of maybe, like, we look, we take a look at the ratings over a one month period every month. Instead of instead of talking about them every week, we we try to look at them as more of a trend than just like a single like night event. Um, just because it seems like there's very little variation in them, and and I think it'd be more interesting to look at longer term trends than than would this do on this particular night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. But <laughs> on certain occasions. <laughs> Like the night after, you know, or two nights after, like all hell broke loose. I, I, I will want to kind of check in and see how things did. And uh, it wasn't like it wasn't crazy. I, I I thought it would be up further than it was. Um, it did do one million thirty five thousand viewers, um, which is up about a one and a half percent from last week. And it was the third time, third straight week, the show has topped one million viewers. The first time that's happened since last October, coming off of. <laughs> The big business at all out 2021 uh and they did a 0.38 which is up nine percent from last week which is their best rating in the demo since june 1st which was a blood and guts show okay. so it's like but but that's the thing it's good ratings news but like what can we really learn from it because it's coming off a pay-per-view and off when like the craziest backstage thing ever happened and i'm actually really curious about the quarter hour ratings for this show in particular yeah because i would assume they had a ton of people at the beginning and then once they found out they weren't going to get any like details on the drama probably a lot of people fell off also your main event wasn't like huge stars 
I've got quarter like, hours for you. All right. Okay, we start off with 1.221 million viewers for the for the eight o'clock quarter hour, which is Tony Khan's uh, video and the MJF and John Moxley promo. Um, we dropped to 1.171 for the rest of that promo and the uh, first section of the trios match. Then we're down to 1,080,000. Then we're down to 989,000. And we end up at 881,000 for the last portion of Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta. So it it's... Um, Steady decline. <laughs> it's steady decline, but it's about where the show has been ending up lately. Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, so they did start out really high with over 1.2 million viewers. This show did, for obvious reasons, feel different in that they clearly had to change up plans. And so I felt like we got, we got four matches, which... I think usually there's maybe between four and six, but this show, it felt like not a lot of, you know, like they were four matches. I feel like some of them took a lot of time, not in a bad way, but like it, the pacing was different off a little bit. Yeah. It felt more like heavy on like promos and like stories versus matches. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that made a difference, but obviously whatever they had planned for this show changed dramatically. Apparently a uh, UFC press conference just got called off because of a fight backstage. Are they trying to compete? This is happening right now. Are they trying to work us? Like, is this? Ariel Hawani is tweeting, says, total chaos, I'm told. Not enough security. Fighters too close. Could have been much worse, but it got out of hand quick between multiple camps. This, 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 this is impossible. This is a lie. <laughs> I think this is the work. The wrestlers had a real fight, and the fighters are having a kayfabe fight. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Holy shit! Did they get jealous? Were they like, "But we're the ones that fight"? I don't know. Oh. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening in the world of combat sports and sports entertainment? God. Well, Megan, I, I can't tell you what's happening with combat sports, but you can tell us what's happening with AEW Dynamite. Hell yeah. We're in Buffalo, New York at the Key Bank Center. Tony Khan opens the show um because that's what we're all here for right and uh he <laughs> oof he looked scared he looked real scared um he looked terrified yeah uh are you sure it was taped i assume <laughs> i assume it had it was to be taped. okay because you could hear the crowd like responding to it as they were watching it so even if it was taped you still heard people like jeering in a way that's like okay he's not okay but um so anyway tony khan he's here to give his statement to the audience and he says 
Following All Out on pay-per-view this past Sunday night, I've been forced to vacate the AEW World Championship as well as the AEW World Trios Championships. That's all. Like, that's the end of that sentence. So he doesn't give any background, even though we all clearly know what it is. Um, (laughs) But he does expand on the fact that for the AEW World Trios Championship, there is going to be... uh, a match tonight it'll be the opening contest of the show between death triangle and the best friends in orange cassidy to determine who will be the new AEW, you know trios champs and if you have questions about that as to why perhaps the runners up in the tournament or the original tournament didn't get a shot or didn't automatically get crowned we'll get to that but for now just know the title will be determined tonight no waiting the AEW World Championship, on the other hand, is more prestigious. It's probably the the most important title in wrestling. I believe he says something like that, because of course. And so there will be a new champ determined by a Grand Slam tournament of champions that will culminate at AEW like Grand Slam. Um, so the first round of this tournament is Adam Page versus Brian Danielson, which will happen again on this show. And then Sammy Guevara and Dar- versus Darby Allen, which is going to happen Friday on Rampage. And then the winners will go to the semifinals where Chris Jericho will face either Paige or Danielson. And John Moxley will face either Darby or Sammy. And then that will lead. And that's next week on Dynamite, both those matches. Okay, yes. And then the finals will take place at Grand Slam, which is, I guess, what, three weeks away then? Two weeks away from from now. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Can't do math. Two weeks away. So that's how that is going to go. (sighs) Thoughts? I mean, I I don't know what was originally planned for Dynamite Grand Slam. But I will say that it's, it's possible that given this situation... And the acclaim to getting bigger, over bigger than anybody could have imagined. That Dynamite Grand Slam might have actually ended up as a bigger show than originally <laughs> planned. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. So we are going to get to the matches that are occurring on this show uh, later. But after Tony's announcement, we don't get to fighting just yet. Instead, MJF comes out to address the crowd. He walks out in a Josh Allen Buffalo Bills jersey. I don't know who that is. Quarterback, I'm assuming. But um, New York's like, yeah, we love that guy. Um, MJF even stops by the announce table to hug Taz. Because I guess he's he's like, oh, look, a fellow Bills fan. The crowd is like, yes, this is great. We love this. So MJF gets out to the ring and he takes a minute he says you know the last time i saw you crowd i may have said some offensive stuff and he sort of like does a little hee hee and then goes but i was just kidding (laughs) uh i love aew i'll never leave this place and he he's like i didn't mean it when i called everyone marks you know there's no mjf without you guys and the people are just lapping it up it's like guys this is mjf (sighs) but whatever so he he turns his attention to the tournament that Tony just announced um, to, you know, find the next AEW world champion. 
And he says, well, I'm not going to be a part of that because I work smarter, not harder. I have this magic chip that guarantees me a title match anytime I want. So I don't need to be in that tournament. Um, and then he says, look, I know these are dark times and we need leadership. And, you know, there was another Jewish boy whose name started with M who parted the Red Sea and led his people. And then he goes, I'm not comparing myself to Moses, okay? Because I'm better than Moses. <laughs> and I don't think people were offended. They were like, yeah, like we should definitely cheer for this. So um, MJF's living up, living it up uh, when John Moxley's music hits. And he walks out looking stern. He's clearly over this bullshit. He gets in the ring. This is the second time in like under a week where he's in a crowd that start out by booing him. Like they were not super excited for him to crash their uh, hero's party. But he gets to the ring and he goes, you're, you're, you know, you're full of crap. Like you gotta go. And MJF just doesn't take the hint. He sarcastically responds by asking Jonathan if he thinks he, MJF is not being sincere. And then he proceeds to make his full transformation back to himself and start insulting the crowd and yelling, Josh Allen sucks. He pulls that jersey off. People are pissed. They can't believe this turn. Who'd have seen it coming? It was, it, he, he gave up incredibly quickly. Mm-hmm. He really did. I was like, are we... <laughs> We're not going to try. Even, like, come up with two extra commandments. No. Come Make on. better than Moses. Come on. Yeah, so surprise, surprise. I mean, MJ had to drop the other tablet on his way down the mountain. <laughs> he didn't even have tablets. Yeah. <laughs> Should have at least had an iPad or something. Oh, I, do, I, just, I do want to say, like, yes, John got some mixed reaction when he came out. But I think, I don't think it was about him. I think it was like people were just so happy to see MJF and really, really wanting to cheer for MJF. Oh, yeah. And like, I think that was the same sort of like reasoning behind in Chicago when he got booed where it was like we like you but we don't want you to win we don't want you to beat our hometown hero and uh now you got people being like look MJF saying good things to us we we need him to stay here and be our hero and and then he just flipped immediately he said he doesn't care about AEW or the people and he, he considers the title to be just a bargaining chip that he can use to get a better gig elsewhere, honestly, in 2024. You know, that whole thing. <laughs> Jenny is shaking her head, rolling her eyes. So, yeah, she she felt like the members of the crowd, obviously. Uh, so Moxley, as MJF is going off on this tirade and being smug and kind of bragging, he's just rubbing his temples and then he sort of moves to his eyes he just looks like the exhausted father who's just like i can't deal with you right now Mm -hmm. and so he finally just slaps that mic out of mjf's hand and is like this is not the time this is not the place and i am in no mood i mean are you not even going to mention the names he dropped oh mjf yeah there were so many i didn't write them all down nick he talked about the only con and wrestling he said jolly old saint nick <laughs> yep talking about nick Khan. He, he talked, talked about cody rhodes he talked about the american roller coaster yep his and best friend talked, and he talked about the game his hero yes he quoted the game at moxley which yeah. i f- feel like moxley is like that's not really my um 
button to push. Like maybe you should talk to your friend, the roller coaster about that. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he was in rare form. I mean, MJF is a great talker, but you know, saying some, some dark shit. Um, who, who on earth would be more pissed about what happened on Sunday night than John Moxley? Like John Moxley is given it all. He had to pick up that belt over the summer and carry the company on his back again over the summer when Punk got hurt. Then he had to lose to Punk and then have Punk basically just throw it all in their face. Like, and then he's got to come back. He should be on vacation. He's got to come back and lead this company again. Like, I feel like Moxley has more right than anyone in that company to be pissed as all hell. Yes, I agree. Um, I also wondered, so like, I assume that he and Punk are, are, where are, I don't know the state of their friendship, but based on like Renee and Punk's interviews, it sounded like they were all like kind of friends, you know, like it sounded like a friendly relationship. And I'm just wondering if he's like, I don't know, done with that or if he is going to just take some time away to get over it. But I was so curious what the state of their friendship or working relationship is at this point. Cause he did not sound happy about things, but yeah, he, um, he did. So he, he ends up chasing MJF away because he's like, you know, you got to get out of here. And MJF pulls his shirt off (laughs) In a very long, struggling fashion. <laughs> yeah, it gets caught on his uh, his wrists, much like the Ruby Soho jacket at that one time. <laughs> um, but MJF just ends up ripping the shirt off. Uh, and he looks like he's going to put up a fight. And then he just like rolls away and retreats up the ramp because he's a heel and he doesn't need to fight. Which I is fine. Was, like, for sure. We're, that was We were looking at the full cure main event, though. I mean, I can see it because logistically, MJF was going to challenge for the title anyway. Yeah. When Punk had Moxley it, Moxley deserves that title back. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Like, I think they might give it. Like, we'll talk about it later. But Moxley deserves the title. Yeah, I I'm fully on board, but also just I totally believe that MJF was on the track to be the next opponent when Punk had had the title. So I think it's probably likely that in my heart, Moxley wins and then they just continue this program. Sliding Moxley on where Punk's supposed to be. I thought maybe they were going to do Punk versus MJF at Grand Slam. Oh. If things had gone according to plan. Okay, so like it wasn't going to be, you didn't see it being a big enough program to make it like to take it all the way to the next pay-per-view. No, I, I, I think it's a huge program, but I, I also think that, you know, one of the things they're looking at doing is like putting up impressive numbers as they head into TV negotiations. Oh, that's true. Well, <laughs> which is like still like the biggest story that we never talk about. Like, like if it's, I mean, there's really nothing we can say about it until, you know, until they actually start going in there and talking to people. I feel like the 
sort of one liner about that related to everything that's happened is this is a really bad time for your company to implode. Yes. (laughs) This looks really bad to corporate executives. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But Moxley, um, MJF leaves. So this is when Moxley becomes, I don't know, the hero of the company that he has always been, but it's shown. Um, he takes a, a moment to, I don't know, talk talk real to the kids. He says he's pissed off and he's embarrassed. And it's obvious why, but like he pivots to saying he's mad because he doesn't have the AEW World Championship. And he wants it back, not because, you know, he just wants the belt, but he wants it because of what it represents. He says it represents passion for the sport, the business, the guys and the girls in the back, and the viewers at home. And it represents the dream and the vision that everyone in AEW had when they started this thing. Um, he went off on a lot more stuff that was inspirational that it represented, but ultimately he landed on. It's basically everything that he loves about the business. So he says his loss on Sunday is on him. He made a mistake. He didn't get it when he should have. And now this Grand Slam Tournament of Champions is his his shot to get the title back. And he does so amazing at literally, he runs down the brackets, putting over literally everyone in the tournament and say, like saying the qualities they have that he doesn't. And that it's going to be hard for him, but he's still going to take his shot and get that title back. And it was like, whew, goosebumps, man, goosebumps. This was one of the best promos of the year. Um, it made me feel like things were going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was very comforting. And he is, uh, he is the wrestler of the year. And he is, I think he is like, I think he's the MVP of AEW, like 2019. I'm sorry he had to come back uh, from his vacation early. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take his vacation. But I really, it warms my heart to know that he, he can give this speech and, you know, do what he's doing for people on screen. But then also, like, it sounds like he's becoming already like one of the people who's like an inspiration for the younger talent and like a coach as far as like helping them and that just warms my heart good for him absolutely so just yeah i can't say enough good things about the guy and my timeline agrees i was i was i was i was uh, kind of sending tweets to you guys about the response after <laughs> yeah after his uh after his promo and it was just euphoric yeah Everybody would follow him into war. It was very like Braveheart. <laughs> like, yeah. let's do this. Oh, warms my heart. So, with that sort of all that business kind of taken care of, we're about 30 minutes into the show at this point. And then we have our first match. And it is the. Uh, AEW World Trios Championship match between Death Triangle, the best friends, and Orange Cassidy. Um, which is like, this match was really fun, but I think we all sort of probably could have seen who was going to get the titles. Um, yep. I thought there was a chance. 
Did you? I mean, yeah. like seriously, I, uh, that sounded yeah. sarcastic, but I didn't no, I, I did. Way. I did. I thought there was a chance. Um, just because they're also doing like the, or they had been doing that might be over now with all the things that changed, but they had been doing the orange Cassidy pack build for the all Atlantic title. So I thought maybe, you know, orange pins someone to win these trios titles. And then, and then he still has the singles issue with, uh, with pack at some point. Hmm. I was thinking who's going to make the better match for the Kenny and the Young Bucks to um, have that's, against them. That's probably like the semi-main event of uh, of Full Gear, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Barring any uh, weird outcomes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows what this investigation is going to bring up. Like, maybe, maybe we'll lose three VPs as well as the... Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, I mean, Pac is the one who gets the win, so he pins Chuck Taylor, not Orange. It was a real team effort, though, because they did, uh, they did the, uh, oh, what do they call that? Is it the No Fear? Is that what their their combo uh, pile driver is called? I feel like maybe I've definitely I feel like I've heard the announcer say they're doing the no fear. I don't remember if it's that one. Well, they did their their combo double stomp package pile driver and then uh, Pat came off with the uh, with the arrow. Yeah, well, they did the package pile driver combo and they also like put them Chuck and Trent or no Trent and Orange out to the outside and like jump on them. Yeah. Yes, to make sure they just could not get back into the ring. But yeah, Pack did the Black Arrow. Chuck took the pin. Um, it was a fun match, though. Like for a title match, it was still, it was still like it had the air of a little bit of funniness because the best friends are, you know, and Orange are fun. And Danhausen was there, and he attempted to curse people multiple times. Um, it he didn't successfully work. cursed Abrahantus. Did he? Do you count that as successful? I mean, he cursed him, and then Abrahantus like very quickly got punched in the groin. I'd say that's that's pretty cursed. By him, yes. You can, you know, <laughs> don't dream it, Megan. Be it. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Make your dreams come true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Danhausen was cursing Abrahantus. Then uh, the pack made him pay. And then, uh, you know, we got a best friends hug, which I feel like we haven't seen in a while on Dynamite. So that was fun. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. So your new AEW World Trios champions are Death Triangle. And Pac is the first uh, wrestler to hold two AEW titles at the same time. Cool. Wow. That feels like something Kenny should have done while he was collecting belts. I think that means there are too many belts (laughs) in AEW. We know that. Well, you know. But I think that's your proof. Peck, he can can fight Orange and potentially lose that All-Atlantic one. Although I don't know why that would happen. But (laughs) whatever. So yeah, backstage, Tony Schiavone is hanging out with the Dark Order who were unable to compete for the trio's titles because of injuries that presumably they incurred during their match at All Out. There were no specifics, and I just assumed that that was fake. But that's the story. Uh, 
John Silver starts to try to explain the injuries, I guess, when Jose... Oh, Reynolds, did... Reynolds actually did hurt his foot or his leg or something. He was walking around on crutches after the pay-per-view. Oh, okay. Well, that's sad. I Okay. Well, Jose, the assistant, interrupts this interview. He has a contract. He shoves it in Ten's face and insists that he sign it because Andrade wants him to work for them. And he says dismissively, for some reason, you know, like, I don't think he's sold on this idea. Uh, <laughs> Evil Uno steps in and is like, no, I told you before many times the Dark Order are not for sale. And this prompts Andrade to show up himself. I guess he sent Jose the assistant from maybe 10 feet away because he just didn't feel like it initially. But now he's here and he's like, come on, like, what, what the hell's the deal? And then Uno starts to get in his face and Roosh shows up and gets involved. There's no... It doesn't, like, devolve into fighting, but, you know, they get in each other's face, and then, ultimately, Andrade takes off. He has a crutch with him, for some reason, and he shoves it into Ten's hand and is like, you're going to need that. And then um, he and Roosh and Jose leave, and no contracts are signed. And, uh, I don't know. Somebody's going to need a crutch, I guess. I continue to... Be really amused at how into human trafficking Andrade is. <laughs> he can buy anybody. <laughs> Nothing will ever be as good as the, the months that he spent trying to buy that little boy. <laughs> Stink. Where's your man? <laughs> oh, man. So good. So, yeah. I, think, I have a feeling that like this is probably leading to a, uh, a 10 defection, though. It was hard to tell because he couldn't do the facial expression that is like, I'm thinking about it because he's got a right. mask on. <laughs> it's like, right, yeah. But but like yeah. I mean, honestly, like what else does what else does he have going on? You know? Yeah, he could go be muscle for Andrade. I don't. Yeah, they could use a guy like him in that in that crew. It'd be interesting if they finally like gave him a different look and maybe some sort of gimmick to do. Like, mm -hmm. to try to maybe uh, grow as a wrestler? I don't know. He would have gotten over if he was allowed to do his BTE character on television, where he was just, like, way into drugs. <laughs> oh, the network would love that. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that's an exciting prospect. Just maybe mixing things up with 10. Mm -hmm. Just see what he can do. But... We'll find out where that goes. Um, after that, we see a really quick segment of, uh, I guess, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter right after the match at All Out, where Britt really shit on Jamie Hayter and betrayed her. Uh, so uh, what we see is Jamie has her suitcase packed, and she's, like, leaving the building very quickly, and Britt is trying to stop her, but Jamie's, like, yelling at her, this is it, like, you had your chance, and it seems like maybe maybe their friendship is over. Um, Britt looks annoyed, and when she sees the camera following her, she gets mad, and then, you know, pushes it away. Nothing I don't think you could predict uh, if you were watching the pay-per-view. I mean, Britt wasn't a great friend. So, after that, Penelope Ford goes up against Tony Storm for the interim AEW World uh, Women's World Championship. Um, 
which is kind of interesting because as uh, Andy shared with us, Nyla Rose tweeted, it's not me. Uh, so for once, somebody else is the first to challenge for the women's title mm-hmm. after somebody new wins it. <laughs> it was great to see Penelope back. I thought this match was fun. Um, I thought it was pretty obvious Tony Storm wasn't going to lose because, you know, she like just got it. Um, but still, I think they put on a good match and um, Kip Sabian was there wearing his box head, but he didn't play any part other than walking Penelope out. I liked it too. And I liked, uh, I liked seeing them not putting the women's segment in the death spot every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's been, I feel like it's been like, it's been several times recently that the women's match has been in the first hour. Yeah. I mean, that's. I like that. That's a good trend. I felt bad for the women on the pay-per-view, but that was nobody's fault because nobody probably understood how much the acclaim that we're going to get over. But this people were, you know, engaged in this match and were loud and just overall, I thought it was, it was a good quality match. So give the women the time. Damn it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, So Tony Storm remains your interim champ that will probably not change for a bit uh after that we get a a promo video from it starts with matt menard daddy magic and cool hand angelo parker standing in the back and angelo talks about how you know like i may have gotten beat by hook at all out that's fine but then we made sure he paid for it and that is because he and matt menard beat hook up after the you know match itself and then we see that Action Bronson is just somewhere hanging out with Hook, and he's here to say, like, he's not having it. Nobody's going to mess with his boy. He literally says, Hook is crazy. You don't know about me. Um, So I guess Action Bronson You don't and... know about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He what? said it just like that. Taylor Swift song. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's like, look, I've been listening to a lot of T-Swift. Uh, so <laughs> we're contemporaries. <laughs> We run in the same circle. Uh, yeah, Action Bronson is going to be joining Hook to take on Matt Menard and Angela Parker in Bronson's hometown of Queens, New York. So you know people are going to hate 2.0. Yes, I think I think that's a good uh, spot to do a match like that, which is where a non-wrestler will have to like... <laughs> Uh, you know, have other wrestlers have wrestlers sell for him, which I think is many many crowds would probably not be receptive to that. But uh, I think I think for uh, Action Bronson in Queens, it'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, Action Bronson does look like he can toss a man. You know, I I don't totally. It's not hard to buy that he might mess up those two boys, those two mm-hmm. smaller boys. So we'll see. Should be fun. Hook didn't speak a word because that's his mo. After that, we it looks like we're going to get a match with the acclaimed involved. Um, Max Caster starts up his rap, but he only gets through the listen part before Swerve Strickland's music interrupts. We were denied a rap on the week that we all wanted the rap the most. This was so clever because mm-hmm. he, he realistically couldn't say anything. So so at least they, like, put the heat on another wrestler. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it would have been so much worse if he was like, I'm just going to rap about, you know, current events that aren't wrestling. Um, <laughs> yeah, so good move by Tony in stopping that. And the crowd was immediately pissed at Swerve. They started chanting asshole, I think, like one sentence in. Um, but Swerve is here to just kind of be a dick. And like he says, you want to hear a joke? Uh, the acclaimed are the tag team champions. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd's like, boo. <laughs> boo to your joke. <laughs> Billy Gunn <laughs> stepped up and was like, hey, Swerve. Listen, you think this is your house? It's not. It's this is Daddy Ass's house. And the crowd was like, "Hell yeah, Daddy Ass!" <laughs> Swerve looked annoyed, and uh, we find out that I believe it's from Anthony Bowens announces that the Acclaim will be taking on Swerve and Our Glory in their second round uh, when Dynamite is at Arthur Ashe Stadium, and this time they plan to win those tag team titles. Swerve looks unsettled i i think they're going to uh win them i do too i think they should and i think there's dysfunction amongst swerve and our glory because keith lee is nowhere to be seen he's Mm -mm. i don't think he's as invested in messing with the acclaimed as swerve is so after that we go backstage with Tony Schiavone. He's talking to the JAS, which in this form is uh, Ty Conti or Ty Mello. Sorry, Ty and Sammy. And well, Tony Schiavone calls her Ty Conti. That's why I was like confused. Although I understand his um, mess up because, you know, she did just change it. But Ty Mello, Sammy Guevara, Anna Jay and Chris Jericho are here. Jericho is here to brag about his gigantic win he got over uh, Brian Danielson at All Out. He seems to maybe listen to this podcast because he's like, I found the Fountain of Youth and I'm drinking it in, man. (laughs) It's like, okay, cool, cool, bro. Um, And then as if to prove that he's only drinking uh, the Fountain of Youth and outwardly changing to a young man, he says, I'm now the BWBC, hashtag it. And that is supposed to stand for best wrestler ever, best sports entertainer ever. Uh, And this is definitely what the kids would say. And they would hashtag. (laughs) Um, Jericho goes on to, as Jenny pointed out while we were watching, spoil the tournament results. Because he just (laughs) straight up says, I'm going to be facing Brian Danielson uh, next week on Dynamite. And um, if you'll remember from the top of the show... That really depends on if Brian Danielson wins against Hangman Adam Page later tonight. <laughs> so, yep. Thanks, Good Jericho. Job. Good job, Jericho. I am inclined to uh, blame whoever, like, chose the order of these. Well, that was my second theory. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it did appear to be pre-taped, so maybe it was a producer issue of putting it before the match instead of after the match yeah. so i don't know it's it's either a producer issue or a jericho issue either way it was a mistake yeah i part of me wondered if it was a jericho issue because i don't maybe i'm projecting that there was weird energy but um so like after he said it they they kind of quickly moved on 
he reminds J- Daniel Garcia that, you know, later tonight he has a match against Wheeler Yuta and Jericho's confident he will beat him, but he's going to have to do it without the JS. And then he looks to Sammy to kind of confirm this fact. And Sammy goes, sorry, isn't everybody like so hot? <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> it's it's kind of the most awkward thing. And I was like, is Sammy trying to like deflect to be like, <laughs> look at me. Jericho definitely didn't just spoil the tournament results. Uh, we're all hot, right? Uh, you might but, be onto something there, Megan. I did really think that Jericho's Ponce de Leon, Corazon de Leon comparison was super good. Yeah, he yeah. busted out some his- in history. Yeah. Uh, myth, you know. <laughs> yeah, Ponce de Leon was a real person, right? But like his... You know, the Fountain of Youth thing, that's not a real thing. Well, it wasn't until Jericho discovered it. It's true. It's true. Yeah, Yeah, so that segment ends with Sammy being like, look how hot we are. And everyone's like, we are hot. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Next up, we've got Wardlow against Tony Nese. And uh, Tony Nese has the gall to at the beginning flex his muscles at Wardlow and then I guess try to make Wardlow feel bad about his uh smoking body by like jiggling his peck as if that's fat I don't I don't like I don't know what Tony Nese was trying to say but Wardlow Wardlow's like Wardlow's like eight percent body fat Tony Nese is like (laughs) negative two percent body fat so all right (laughs) you're right you're right but when Tony Nese like rolled up to Wardlow and then sort of like he like looked down at himself and like sort of did a hand flourish over his own abs to be like, what do you got? It's like Tony Nese, he's, he's very fit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So Wardlow destroyed this man. Tony Nese took the best bump for a clothesline I've ever seen in my entire life. Like he did a, he did like a perfect, it was like he took the clothesline, went, backwards from the force but really he was just doing like a standing shooting star press yep it was fucking incredible yeah i wish i wish there was something that could be done with this guy but he's just he's kind of a he's just kind of a wet blanket yeah he's kind of boring yeah but he he look his body is incredible and he obviously he's a crazy good athlete, so I don't know. It's a bummer. But anyway, that bump really stood out to me in this like nine second match. <laughs> yeah. Remember in WWE when he would wear that really dumb, like it's not even a jacket because it's barely any material, but it like was cut in a way that was like highlighted his abs and then he didn't have to take it off so that when he walked out he could like point to each ab and count it. Uh-huh. I do remember that. That was more fun than what he's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Tony Nese got destroyed by the Powerbomb Symphony. Um, after the match, Wardlow went to attack Tony Nese and give him another powerbomb, but Mark Sterling interfered, which only put him in the line of fire. And when Wardlow set him up for a powerbomb instead, Josh Woods pulled him to safety, I guess to remind us that Josh Woods is still around. And maybe we'll show up. Um, but like there was no no fighting between them. So once everybody was out of the ring, Wardlow picked up a mic and was like, I'm really pissed about all these rumblings on the internet that I've lost it. Uh it, I'm still around, I'm still kicking ass. 
it is still the Wardlow's, I want to say Wardog's world. I wrote War Daddy's world because that's where I was when I was writing these notes. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, like, don't sleep on Wardlow. He's still a thing. <sighs> After that, we get a really quick little video promo from Darby. He is talking about how uh, Sammy and he have both been competing with each other for the TNT Championship pretty consistently. But now, with this tournament, they are going to be competing for, you know, the big one, the the world title. Um, Darby says that he has asked Sting not to be at ringside, so he is going to show up to this fight alone, and he says, Sammy, if you want to win this thing fair and square, you should do the same. Um, I don't think Sammy's concerned about being fair, but it's a good try, Darby. It's good to throw out there. <laughs> um yeah. That's a that's a like I you know they they mentioned it later and it's like Dax and Claudio too. Like that's a big that's a pretty big uh, rampage lineup. Yeah. And yeah. I guess it makes sense that Dax and Claudio are the main event because it's a title. But this is, you know, tournament match. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the tournament, though, the next uh, match on this evening's show is Brian Danielson against Adam Page in the first round match of the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions. Um, if you didn't believe Chris Jericho, you should, because Brian Danielson won. <laughs> <laughs> Adam put up a, a good fight. I thought the match was good, but yes, alas, I... I was not surprised to see Brian Danielson walk away from this, the winner. It's a great match. Um, and now they're one, one, and one. Oh yeah. So is that like a is the next one a rubber match, or is there some special name for something where it's a win, a loss, and a tie that needs to be broken? <laughs> we should come up with one, but for now it would be a rubber match. But yeah, we'll come up. When they do their fourth match, which inevitably will happen someday, we'll have to come up with a, a term. Definitely. They work well together. I like I like their matches. Um, I know Hangman, I think one of the things that came out of the reporting from all the punk stuff was that like Hangman is pretty much liked by everybody in the locker room. The only complaint is that sometimes, or he used to be real stiff. <laughs> and Specifically with the buckshot. Yeah, and but somebody like told him, so I'm assuming he's adjusted. But I thought these guys were just like Danielson must have been like, do it, just do it, because they like were hitting each other so hard. I think Danielson lives his life that way, which is like weird for a guy with like such a history of concussion issues. But you know, he and like he and Hager were the same way last week. Yeah, it was. I mean, it made for a really good match, but it's yes. like Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And you know, and Justin was uh, was he texted me uh, last night, and he was just basically saying that you know, it's it's insane. Like he said, well, like because I I just said like you know they needed a home run, they got one, the show ruled, and he said outrageous depth or outrageous that they haven't built around Danielson for the last year. Hmm. You know, I mean, he's like, he's like the ultimate like pinch hitter. He can he can do he can come in anytime you need him to do anything. 
and it's true. Maybe, maybe he shouldn't be a pinch hitter. Maybe he should be like the top guy. But you, it makes me think of when he talked about how he took that assessment and found out that he had basically negative uh, career. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I just took that to mean like, he shows up and he does what he's asked to do. As long as he's happy, he's not going to like make waves, but also like maybe he just doesn't go and be like, hey, you know how good I am? Do you, should you maybe put me higher up? Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. I just can't picture him like caring unless something like extremely bad happened. He looks like he's having a ball all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Me too. Me too. Um. So yeah, like. I can't believe we've got a year of CM Punk and like those two old rivals never interacted once on screen. Yeah. I know Tony Khan is like very patient about things, but you know, it's times like these where you think like, maybe you just do all the dream matches, you know, <laughs> like when you when, like right away, you know? Yeah. But like, do you think he would have had not Danielson needed to sort of like take Moxley's place when Moxley left to like go to rehab and like, cause Danielson was doing something else. And then it was like, Hey, can you be a heel? And he, gladly stepped up and then the way it all magically came together and the bcc is like great do you think if that had not happened danielson would have crossed paths with punk i don't know um it's just because like punk was kind of was pretty wrapped up with mjf during that whole period right yeah so yeah (sighs) i don't know what danielson would have been doing otherwise yeah. I'd have to look back at the at the results from that period and see like what what he was doing before Moxley went to rehab. Yeah, I thought it was like I thought he was working towards Adam and the title, but I thought it was as a, like a very, you know, face nice boy who respected rules and then it just got <laughs> a thousand percent better when he was like, "Fuck that, I'm awesome and I'm evil." Right, yeah, yeah, Oh, well, probably won't happen now. Probably they're not going to cross paths unless bad things happen and Danielson leaves. Um, But the next thing on the docket is Jungle Boy. Uh, He has a, a video package where he speaks to Christian Cage. He says, you know, Christian... I understand you're hurt, and I don't want to fight you hurt. I want you to go get your surgery and come back at 100%, because that's when I really want to murder you, basically, and destroy your life. Um, (laughs) And since he can't really do that right now, he has sort of switched gears and is now focused on Luchasaurus, his former best friend, who used to carry him around on his shoulders uh, in a charming display of, like, just like good buddies. Um, now he's pissed. You know? Now Luchasaurus has really betrayed him. He's upset. He's surprised. And he is going to have to take care of business. He says sometimes you can move on from your past. But sometimes you have to destroy it. So. He's going after that mean, mean dinosaur. If Christian is injured and going to be missing a lot of time. I don't understand why he won on Sunday. Uh, maybe he, 
was he hurt enough that he like literally couldn't take any physical I don't hits? Know, maybe, but, like, but still, why did he win? Yeah. I don't know, because I think wouldn't it be what's awkward Jungle if Boy's, what's Jungle Boy's finisher? <laughs> Snare trap. Yeah. You just put him in like a just like put him and place him in a submission hold and he taps out, you know, quickly. Yeah. I mean he did one move on Jungle Boy, didn't he? He did two moves on Jungle Boy. So he could have taken one move. You'd think. I, I like if this is WWE, like especially like, you know, six weeks ago. Um Has it already been six weeks? Since Hunter took over? Yeah. I think roughly, yeah. Um if this is WWE, like pre Triple H taking over and wins and losses are just like utterly meaningless, I would not be surprised at all. But in AEW, like wins and losses are actually pretty meaningful. So I don't see the point in giving Jungle Boy one here for the start of a feud that can't really continue for another, like, you know, for months down the line. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess maybe they were, or clearly they were trying to set up the Luchasaurus thing to give Jungle Boy something to pivot to. And maybe it was just like, how weak does Christian look if if you do the Luchasaurus thing, Jungle Boy's super hurt, and then he still manages to just quickly get Christian in a snare trap, tap him out? I guess so. I guess I guess the the thinking probably was like, we need to do the Luchasaurus thing. Yeah. Cause yeah. like if Jungle Boy won, it's like, okay, but you know, then what? Yeah, that's a good point. Luchasaurus. Or, I mean, you could have had Christian quickly win and then Luchasaurus comes out afterwards and you think it's to celebrate, but then he does then he does the attack. And you could do the exact same attack. True. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, well. All I know is seeing those lines on Jungle Boy's back again was um, not fun. Didn't yeah. like that. Upsetting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so after that, we we get Stokely Hathaway, who has deemed himself, or like termed himself, the king of ladder matches. Is He's here with his boys. Um, and if you remember, his boys are Austin and Colton Gunn, William Morrissey, and Lee Moriarty, who apparently at some point got a different uh, gimmick or character, because now he has green hair and he doesn't like do the fun Lee Moriarty he nice guy have stuff. A tiger mask anymore. <laughs> yeah. No wait. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <sighs> Lee. So he do um, still do the do you think he'll still do the entrance dance? I don't know. Probably he not. Sh- he should. I mean he's got green hair. That's still kind of fun, right? He can still have like a like a fun thing. No. Okay. <sighs> Um, yeah, so these boys are with Stokely. Stokely is talking about being king of the ladder matches, and then like immediately a a poor AEW stagehand who is really just a wrestler <laughs> comes up and is like, <laughs> he's like Stokely, you're, he, he's signaling him that he's low on time, you know, and Stokely's like, oh hell nah. So he like grabs him by the lapels and yells at him and then he punches him to knock him down so that you know his crew can attack and uh the whole thing ends with William Morrissey like 
uh, I think the guns hold this poor stagehand up and Morrissey just like kicks him really hard in the face and Morrissey's uh, super tall and and big and this stagehand is, you know, he's like a, a smaller guy, probably a high flyer in his other job. Um, but yeah, he he just looks like he gets murdered for no reason. Stuff. Dokley and crew, not a bad or not a good, good team. So do you think there's? I mean, they. Do you think they are affiliated with Max, or did Max just pay them off to do that thing that one time? What's your what's your what's your take right now? What's your read? I would think that they're just a crew that Max will call on as needed. Like I don't think MJF wants Pinnacle Point Two Point Oh. You know. Like, he seems like he's doing his own individual thing, but uh, maybe I could be wrong. He likes to pay people to do his dirty work. It wouldn't be the first group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know what Stokely's deal is, but I feel like he could have his own sort of plan to to do whatever with these guys to, like, push things forward and not need Max to, to lead him. So. All right. I guess we'll see how that plays out. Uh, MJF was nowhere to be seen during this segment, though. So uh, After that, we get a video to let us know that Claudio is going to have the match against Dax Harwood for the Ring of Honor World Championship in the main event on Rampage this week. Um, Claudio just kind of looks like he's like, this belt's important. It's It you know really shows like the hard worker is the one who has it and then Dax is like I know I'm a tag team guy but I'm a real fighter I'm gonna fight for my family and uh it's very much the don't take money from my family by beating me sort of line that Dax <laughs> is kind of good at um but like I don't care I am excited to see these two men fight each other mm-hmm. should be fun it's the first like I don't think Dax Harwood is gonna win the ROH world title but it does definitely the first defense where you could like plausibly say like eh, i mean you know maybe like you could see that there could be a reason for them to to do that you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yet another belt for one of the ftr men yes eight star ftr <laughs> seven and a half sorry cash cash didn't get a cash didn't get a belt uh yeah we'll see we'll see it should be a good match regardless. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, with that, speaking of good matches, we get to the main event. It's Daniel Garcia against Wheeler Yuta for that ROH Pure Championship. Uh, I didn't know there were special rules for the Pure Championship, but there are, so I will tell, the, tell you them now. Um, every match must begin and end with a handshake to adhere to the code of honor. Uh, each wrestler only has three rope breaks to stop submission and pinfall attempts. Uh, if if they run out of their, or if they use their three, then like submissions and pinfalls can happen in the ropes. Uh, so that's interesting. And also we've got a panel of three judges just in case there's a time limit draw. And those judges are Jerry Lynn, BJ Whitmer, and Matt Seidel, who have all, I guess, been... ROH 
pure champions like they they were associated with roh in some way i don't know how long the pure championship has been around it was around for a little while early and then they like brought it back years later i don't honestly well you talk about this match i'm gonna look up the lineage of that title okay um okay so yeah so daniel garcia gets gets at his entrance performed by uh a man named Westside gun who i don't know anything about but that's not a big surprise i'm not on the pulse of you know the culture so but it's it's pretty cool i mean when you get a live performance of your entrance that's that's like kind of a, a little nod to you it's pretty cool um it was so, superior to the one that brian danielson had at the pay-per-view yes that one was just kind of like not sure why that's happening but whatever this won't mean anything to you but west side gun sounds exactly like the ghost face killer which was distracting but then i thought like well they're both from new york so like that kind of makes sense i know who ghost face is yeah but you don't know what he raps like nope <laughs> <laughs> nope um, but i've seen him in documentaries about martin shkreli oh yeah sure that makes sense yeah um so yeah so this uh this hair match garcia got you know a performance wheeler yuda did not garcia is from here he is the hometown hero the crowd loves him wheeler yuda not so much um but i thought these two had a very good match and i i thought wheeler yuda played off the fact that the crowd hated him pretty pretty well um and in the end like Tamer Garcia, he tapped out Yuta with the the Dragon Tamer, as he's calling it. Uh, and he's our new pure champion. None of those three men ever held the, the Ring of Honor pure championship. Okay. There have been, Daniel Garcia is only the 11th Ring of Honor pure champion. Um, in reverse order, uh, of course, Wheeler Yuta. Uh, Josh Woods, who... Uh, Wheeler Yuta won the title from at uh, Death Before Dishonor back in uh, April. Uh, Jonathan Gresham, oh. who was, you know, also the last Ring of Honor world champion. Um, then that appears to have been the belt being brought back in 2020 because uh, then uh, the last one before that was Brian Danielson in August of 2006. Wowzers, okay. <laughs> Um, who won it from Nigel McGuinness, who won it from Samoa Joe, who won it from Jay Lethal, who won it from John Walters, which is a name I know, but, you know, pretty nondescript name, who won it from Doug Williams, the British man, um, who won a tournament final over Alex Shelley (gasps) because the title had been vacated. Um, because the first champion, AJ Styles, was un- by was un- unable to continue to wrestle for Ring of Honor at a certain point once his once TNA started, you know, spinning up more. Ah, uh, okay. Who defeated CM Punk in the tournament finals of the first, you know, the first tournament final there? Okay. Yeah. So actually, a lot of big stars have held that title. Yes. the The only one I didn't recognize was. John Walters sounds like a newscaster. Yep. 
But yeah, I thought this match was very good, and I'm I'm happy for Daniel Garcia, I guess, because you know, kids coming up the ranks, he uh he needs a big win. Good for him. Especially in his hometown. Yeah, people were hyped for this. Very, very excited to see their boy win. I love, I love big hometown wins. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um, I don't know that I, I, I don't think I saw the handshake at the beginning of the match. No, there wasn't one. They, they forgot it somehow. Okay, I was like, did we already break a rule going into this match? <laughs> they either forgot it or like you know, WWE or AEW's director missed it. Okay, yeah. That was the only the only point of not following the rules that I saw. Um, there were, I think, one rope break for each person, but I don't think they were, you know, I don't think we got to the three. It didn't become, like, a factor in the match itself. No, they need to do a better job about, like, um, like having some on-screen way to represent that, which I think they did at um, the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view. But not so much on Dynamite. They need they need graphics to like illustrate like you know like timeouts in a football game, little like hash marks or something, you know. Yeah, because they like announced it over the the loudspeaker or whatever when it happened. But yeah, if you're watching at home and, or even in the the arena, it's like you probably lose track. Um, mm-hmm. I did appreciate that Regal was on commentary and he said. I told Yuta not to use any rope breaks. He should be able to wrestle out of anything. That's like a freakle. <laughs> and then Yuta did use a rope break, and Regal was like, mm, "Well, that was a that was a tough spot." <laughs> oh, Regal, love you. Uh, I think the only other thing that in this match that I took note of is that. Wheeler Yuta got, like, very violent, um, which is appropriate for his group, but he, like, took the turnbuckle covers off and put Danny Garcia's face on them and then stepped on it, his face, and uh, later in the match, he got a warning from the ref because he used a closed fist punch to uh, hit Garcia in the face. Yeah. He was a little aggressive. I mean, he was playing subtle heel because you know you're in the you're in the guy's hometown. Yeah, yeah. I didn't dislike it. I just think it's it's funny. Like when Yuta first showed up, he was like this like this super happy baby face, and then I think uh, training with Chuck and Trent broke him down, and now he's just this mean boy. Mm-hmm. And he's down one belt, which is too bad. Uh, Chris Jericho was watching from backstage, despite, you know, he said, obviously, he wouldn't be there to help Yuta, or not Yuta, help Garcia, or, like, support him, but he was watching backstage, so, in some ways, you know, he still cared. Um, after the match was over, there was, uh, a shake. Brian Danielson walked out, though, and initially, Yuta pushed him away which looked like kind of a weird sort of conflict and then Yuta shook hands with Garcia and then Danielson took the belt from Garcia and it looked like maybe like uh oh what's gonna happen 
And then he, like, in a show of respect, put the belt on Garcia's waist. And this caused Jericho to walk out looking betrayed as hell because, you know, Garcia's his boy. And this was a moment where I could tell, like, Danielson is having just the best time of his life because Danielson looked over and saw Chris Jericho making that face. And he just grinned and held up Garcia's hand. And then, you know, and then that was how the show went. A great show. Yeah. And a good way to tie in next week's uh, Danielson-Jericho match, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. There's some animosity going in. So how do you see this tournament going? Oh, I think... So we got Friday's match between Sammy Guevara and and Darby Allin. And the winner faces... Moxley. Moxley. Yeah. Ooh. So for that, you know, I kind of want to see Darby go over... Because I think Moxley's going to beat whoever he faces anyway. Okay. So I'd, I'd like Darby to go. Okay, so then so then next week on Dynamite, then we got Jericho versus Danielson, who just had a who just had a match at All Out that Jericho won. I think Danielson wins this time. I do too, because because obviously Moxley's going to win over Darby, and then we also just had a big Danielson Moxley title match on TV. So I'm sorry, a, a Jericho Moxley title match on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they're going to go back to that so quickly. Um, so yeah, so I think we're going to get Danielson Moxley two instead, a rematch from um, revolution. Heck yeah. And I'm into it. Yeah, and hopefully William Regal won't have to come in the ring and slap them both this time afterwards. It's true. Well, now they're friends. Or kind of, <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, like, I want Moxley to win, but if it comes down to Danielson and Moxley, I'm not going to be... It's like, I, I like them both, so whichever direction they decide to go, I'm not going to be upset. <laughs> That's good, yeah. Um, I think I do... I'm gonna guess that it's gonna be, it's gonna be Moxley though, because, because you know I really do think they were setting up Moxley and MJF as a title match, in that opening segment. Yeah. Plus he's like the hero of the company. And again, Danielson, if you just let him have fun and do wrestling, I don't think he's gonna be mad that he's not the champ. <laughs> no, but he should be the champ at some point. He's so he's too great. Oh, for sure, for sure, but it, I don't think he's going to have an ego about it. I'm still, like, I'm just kind of bummed that we never got, um, and I think it's because of the punk injury uh, back in May that we never got, like, a real Danielson and Moxley tag team run, because I think, like, Danielson and Moxley, you know, like, thinking about them versus the Young Bucks or thinking of them about against FTR sounds incredible, you know? Yeah, and they had that moment where they were tagging and just crushing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, like I said earlier, like, I, I, I really think they needed to, to have a really good statement dynamite that reset things a little bit. And I think they accomplished that. Um, and hopefully, like, kind of change the narrative a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I still want all the drama. I want to know, but I want the company to do well, and 
I don't want the network negotiations to suffer because of this. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be bad. Um, but anyway, so that's that's the wrestling stuff, and we'll we'll of course talk more about it next week. I imagine some, I imagine something else will will have come out by then. But. I mean, at some point, we're gonna learn who uh, doesn't get to stay at the company anymore. Mm-hmm. If anybody, I have to imagine Ace Steel's gone because there's he's he's. He's what expendable. does he bring? What does yeah. he bring? Yeah. Like I'm sure I'm sure he's good at his job, but like you could you could bring in like a million other people with his background to do the same producing stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like he loses value when it's like, oh, this is somebody who's willing to like uh do this. <laughs> like you know, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I guess that just leaves one thing, Megan. It leaves the Elite Beat plug of the week. Oh my gosh. And and so, I know you've been very busy lately, so I don't know if you've had time to enjoy anything in in pop culture. Um, if I had to, I'm thinking. I have been very busy, but I will say there's... that's the time when I watch my short comfort shows that I always watch. And you and Jenny recommended I check out the super fan uh, edition of the office episodes mm. on Peacock. Yes. And so I have been doing that because they're like, you know, the same old office episodes I know and love, but with um, extra scenes, I guess. I don't know if they were originally deleted scenes or what, but the episodes run about, 30 uh, and change with without commercials so they're a little longer and i have just been thoroughly enjoying kind of watching the office that i know but also seeing new content as part of it how far are you in now uh i think i just got to season four okay i think they i believe they have through season five uploaded with fan favorite versions so it's, it seems like they're kind of at a at a pace of uploading about two seasons a year with the new footage, so you might, you might have to wait a while once you get to past season five. Okay, well that's that's good to know. That sets expectations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, uh, I I do highly recommend that. We did we didn't actually finish season five. We need to get back to that. Um, we started it but got distracted by other things. Um, trying to think. Da 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 da. Uh, the, I guess the only thing I've really been doing this week, aside from uh, working and keeping up with fight news, is um, <laughs> I've been playing a little bit of a game that just dropped on Game Pass last week. It's it's not brand new, but um, it's I think it's like let me see what. That's the beauty of Game Pass, though. October 22nd, 2020 was its first release. Okay, so it's been out for a while. But anyway, it's called uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising. And it's, you know what it is, Megan? It's it's like if Ubisoft made Breath of the Wild. But they couldn't do, they couldn't do Zelda, so they just used Greek mythology as a basis instead. That doesn't sound bad at all. It's 
it's actually really good but like it's got the, like it's full-on like got like dungeons like the same kind of like like it's like shrine type dungeons like where you have like to go in and like solve a couple puzzles and then you know it's it's like that okay Ooh, i might have it's, to check that out it's really good yeah okay yay i like that i am so far behind on like the video game like the current state of video games and i feel like i wouldn't even know what to play if i went out there looking but i love game pass so this is fun i would try this game for free well for what i'm paying every month but it feels free in the mm -hmm. moment <laughs> i it's so uh the other thing that's out right now that i downloaded but haven't played yet is um disney dreamlight valley okay which as far as i can tell it's like Disney Animal Crossing. What? Yeah, so I'm 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 interested. So it's, it's a it's a good week for um for knockoff <laughs> for knockoff <laughs> games, but uh, but I'm interested because I you know I have I I have a, I think I have more affinity for Disney than you do, but I I uh, I have I do have an affinity for Disney characters and IP, so uh, I think I'm going to jump in there and and see what that's all about. I mean, you have more affinity for Disney than me, but I do like an Animal Crossing esque game where like. I just do my chores and enjoy my island. <laughs> I oh, There's something so cathartic about that. So oof, maybe I'll have to check that out too. I'll never forget um, when my cousin Lee, who lived with our mutual friend Franz um, uh, together as roommates for years, uh, when Lee got the original Animal Crossing for his GameCube, when it came out and and on that on that system you had uh i think you could have like four houses on an island mm. um because they're and they were all like kind of like grouped together like in a little circle so like those those are the four player characters and when you went off anywhere else that was like where the animals lived sure. um but uh he put a few hours into it franz did and i just remember like i was there like watching him play which is like it's also just like not the most fun game to watch people play but anyway um but it was novel in 2002 or whatever yeah and i just remember franz saying like what am i doing i already have a job <laughs> <laughs> but like does your job look as charming and ha is as low stakes as this he was i mean he was working at a very charming uh um like independent bookstore at the time so i think i think it kind of did yeah oh, okay well we should all be so lucky but mm -hmm. i just it's like i have a job but animal crossing is like but what if your job was super easy and you could just also not do it and nothing bad would happen why don't you just go fishing or like why don't you just go shake trees and <laughs> try to get like stuff to fall out I don't know. Soothing. Stardew Valley is the same way. And I thought about starting that back up again. But maybe this Disney thing is... is... Stardew Valley is... There's, there's like, too much time pressure in Stardew Valley. I can see that. But also, I think, like... I don't know that you lose, necessarily, if you just... fart around <laughs> and don't <laughs> accomplish things. Like, you don't die. I don't, I don't know that there's, like, a, a fail state. But I can also see, like, the pressure of, oh, I got to tend to my crops and I got to fight in the mines and I got to sell things and animals and 
to anyone who doesn't know what Stardew Valley is. That probably sounds really weird. Uh, but it's great. It's great. It is a time-based thing. But... <laughs> yeah. So that is uh, The Office Superfan episodes, which can be found on Peacock. And Immortals Phoenix Rising, mm-hmm. which is on Xbox Game Pass. I don't know if it's on PC Game Pass, too. It might be. But anyway, I think Ubisoft tends to release their games on, like, everywhere. So, probably is. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that one's, that one's fun. I'm having, I'm having a blast with that so far. So. You know, I've been craving kind of like the, uh, the Assassin's Creed-esque, like, Ubisoft, like, Oh look, the map opened up, and now there's a thousand icons on it. Do you want to clear them? And oh, my yeah. answer is yes, I do. <laughs> so do you know what the um, you know how like in um, <clears throat> Assassin's Creed you climb up on top of tall buildings to uh to like yeah to like synchronize scout. or whatever yeah. Um, the version of that is you climb atop giant statues of the pantheon of gods, and oh, uh, shit. Which are just kind of scattered around the the terrain, and you have to, and that's how you that's how you like unfog areas. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Oh my God. This is, there's like this, you're connecting to my brain in a way that's like, oh no, I'm going to play that and I'm going to clear the map. It's really good. It's really good. (sighs) Anyway, um, we're going to get out of here. But thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, You've been listening to the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.